What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the hardworking happy hour. I'm Sean. And I'm Catherine. And as always, we'll be breaking down all things trades, entrepreneurship, and turning your creativity into a passion career. That's right. And this week, we are talking all about sales. Nothing happens before you sell something, so it's pretty dang important. It is. Across all trades. Across, really across everything. Pretty much across everything, yeah. Yeah, the world runs on sales. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that's what we're going to get into today. All kinds of tactics for you. Yeah. Thoughts, my philosophy on it. Um, yeah, you know. I feel like I have a lot to learn, so. You I do? can't wait for this, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. So, uh, buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> anyway, um, so, Catherine, um, how are you feeling today? I feel great. How do you yeah. feel? I feel pretty good. Um, yeah. It's Friday. It is Friday. So, uh, you know, do you have that feeling like at the end of the week where it's like, ah, I'm just like, I'm tired, but also a little like tense. I just, oh, I wish I could just unwind and relax. You know what? I do have that feeling. You yeah. do? I do. I do. Really? I do. Yeah. Um, I'd love to unwind right now. You would? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just need that little extra push to help you unwind sometimes. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> well, you wouldn't believe what I, I have in store for you. Okay. This is a surprise to me. Whatever the drink is. It's a beer. A beer. A beer is the perfect thing to help you <laughs> unwind at the end of a week. So uh, solving problems, that's number one in sales. Find out the problem, solve it, and it's a shandy. You already said that you like these, so sell somebody something that you know they already want. And... You paid attention enough to to you listen to what I said I wanted. Yep. Or what not what I wanted. I didn't say I wanted this today, but that I liked this. And now you're bringing it back and listening. Another important thing. Very good. Very okay. impressed. Very impressed. That Can would I be twenty dollars. <laughs> you got it. I'll Venmo you. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> just got a sale. So uh, yeah, that was just a little <laughs> little example there. Were you shocked? That was the surprise I was talking about. This is a great surprise. Uh, love but it. Don't love tell your me. sales tactic. Only problem. Don't tell me it needs a bottle opener. It does need a bottle oh, opener. Oh, God. We had everything planned out so good. There has to be something in here that we can use as a bottle opener. There has to be. We're in a wood shop. Okay. Um, all right. Well, all right. So now we're back. We're going we're gonna to cut that out. Yep. But we found a bottle opener and we're back and we have some uh, Lining Kugel Summer Shandy this yep. week. And uh, it seemed appropriate because it's about to be summer. It's been mm-hmm. super hot this week. We got to figure out some sort of uh, climate control situation for the van. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting really hot in there. Trying to work Very in there. Hot. Yeah. So uh, cheers. Cheers. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. <sighs> All right. So sales. Sales. It's so important. It's pretty critical. It's And I feel like critical. it's it's good to be a good salesman, obviously. Yeah. It's so much worse to be a bad salesman. Like it is. If, there's nothing worse than being around like a bad salesman. And you know, like a yeah. like a just aggressive or like using all the all the classic, you know, lines yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And you know sleazy. what's coming. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to be that person. And there are a lot of different styles to sales. You know, I think it depends on the product you're selling. It depends whether this is a cold lead, a warm lead. Uh, mm-hmm. sizzle and hot lead. That's the best <laughs> scenario you can be in. Cause are those the three categories? I think, yeah, technically Cold, those hot, are. Sizzle and hot? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Most of our leads are usually sizzle and hot. Yeah. But, uh, it wasn't always like that. Right. You had so to get to that point. You have to get to that point. So, um, let's kind of run through the, the mentality. I guess let's first talk about a couple different ways that you can do it. You okay. can be the hard seller. Yeah. Where you're really just like, you know, going after people. You're following up every day, every minute. You're emailing them, texting them, right. you know, and you're really pushing. You're really trying to like pull that sale out of them. Yeah. That's one way to do it. The other way is you can soft sell them. I think I, my style is more of the soft sell. And again, this is going to depend on how much demand you have, how much you can realistically even provide, uh, you know, clients. So, we have pretty limited availability. We have a lot of demand. So we can use the soft sell where it's, we just kind of explain what we can provide for them. And then the choice is up to them. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, we don't try to be too pushy um, because the people that decide on their own that they want to hire us, they're going to end up being a better client for us. 
Yeah. You know, somebody that you like really push into a sale. Um, they could kind of, you know, after the fact be like, ah, I felt, felt kind of pressured into that. And the bigger the project is, I think the more that comes back to bite you because, right. you know, you could sell them in 10 minutes on a really big project. But then over the course of the two months that you're there building it, it could really get kind of awkward if you really, if they feel like they were pressured into the sale or you upsold them too much and now it's something that they probably really shouldn't be spending that much. So with those bigger projects that you're going to be more involved with the client over a longer period of time, I think it's better to really just explain what you can provide for them. Let them ultimately make that decision on their own. Don't try to pressure them too much. Mm -hmm. But... That's really that's really how I look at it. Yeah. Soft sell. The soft sell. Convince them they want it. Yeah. But either way you do it, there's still the same the same parts of the process that you need to identify. Whether you're doing a soft sell, a hard sell, there really is a like a theory, a a, a way to do it. Yeah. You know? So number one, I would say you need to identify the problem that you have the solution to. What do you think? I think that's important. And I think that you, yeah, especially with like a trades-based business, I feel like that's um, like a lot of things. You're just, you're not even convinced, you don't need to convince them that they need it because they know they they need a new roof or they know they need a plumber or they know that they need, it gets more, a little more dicey when you're going into like a luxury backyard build. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, I don't really need that, do I? Yeah. And you're in a position where you have to convince them that they need it. I think... The the problem solving aspect of it is going to be different for all of those different things. So right. like the the problem with a leaky roof, super obvious. It's water's coming in the house. Right. So every roofer is going to come and offer that solution of fixing the leaky roof. Mm-hmm. But you want to figure out what is what are their reservations to hiring somebody? They know they need the roof fixed. Right. Everybody's offering that same solution but you need to figure out what are the reservations that are holding them back. What's that secondary problem to getting the sale? And a lot of times that could be distrust. Mm-hmm. could be price. It could be, you know, just a, a feeling of getting ripped off. Yeah. So those are the things that you need to identify and put their mind at ease. Yeah. Scheduling could be one, you know. Yeah. Like, oh. Who knows, you know, they might start one day and then three weeks pass and then they're back a day. So you need to identify what is that thing that's holding the client back and offer that solution to them. Yeah. I think I, well, I did some research and I looked at the six, yeah, it, everything that came up with said that there's six properties of sales psychology. So like why people decide what they're going to go with. Total head game. A head game. It's all, yeah. you got to get in these people's heads. Yep. Um, but one of the pillars is reverse liking. psychology. Say you don't want this. You definitely don't. <laughs> uh-uh. No, you definitely don't want this roof. That and didn't then, make the list, but I it bet didn't? it should have. Yeah. It should have. Yeah, it that's classic. Um, okay. But it's liking. Like you have to, like, with something like a roof. Let's say you get three estimates. All three are relatively similar. They all have pretty good reviews. You don't yeah. know who you're going to go with. You go with the person that you talked to that you liked. Yeah. You always. In anything, you pick the people, you gravitate towards the people that you like. And everyone's going to like different like pieces of, each, of a person, but you can yeah. kind of fine tune it and learn what makes you more likable to these people. Like, what do people want to hear What when they're in this position? Yeah. What you can do to kind of woo or sway them. Yeah. You have to kind of be adaptable to the client. Like, mm-hmm. different clients are going to... Like I said, they're going to have different reservations about a project and you need to be able to assess what that is. And that that all comes from experience. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know when I go and talk to a client, sometimes they want me to get like all technical and say, you know, what is it about the process with a paver patio to like keep it from sinking? You know, I always see pavers that are sinking and 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 what why is why is that? And they really want to they want you to get technical and talk about the process and talk about this is how we do it and that's how we avoid that problem and 
this is why it's going to last a long time. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people that could not care less about anything technical. They're just like, oh, um, you know, I want an area to read over here. Like, I just want to be able to relax out here, sit in a hammock and and read in the summertime. Mm -hmm. uh, I want a place to cook and and a, a place for my family to all eat together. So you you have to start out by listening and right. then you can kind of go from there and and adjust your your pitch. And it really shouldn't be a pitch. I hate that word. It should just be you're just responding to them. Yeah. And if you if you have a good solution to what they're looking for, that's great. Do everything that you can to sell them into it, but sometimes by listening to the client, you realize, you know, I'm probably not going to be the best solution for this. And that's when you need to know to walk away from a sale. Yeah. Because that's never good. If you try to force yourself into a sale where you're really not providing the solution that they're looking for or being able to provide that solution in the best way, then it's just going to turn around and, and kind of bite you eventually. Yeah. Has that ever happened to you before? Uh, I don't know if it's really come back to bite me, but I would say there's plenty of jobs that, that I took and usually it was at at my demise, like it would be something that I tried to price that was like the the market rate for a certain service, whatever it might be. But it's not something that I do all the time. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, okay, I was trying to provide this solution at this, you know, fair, reasonable price that you could get somewhere else. And then once I'm doing it, I'm realizing I don't really have like the right equipment, the right, you know, uh, we don't do this all the time, so we're not as efficient. And now I'm not making any money on this. So uh -huh. for me, it was mostly those type of things. Certain size projects, we just weren't efficient enough on like a really small project. We didn't have, we don't have a dump truck to just like immediately haul away dirt, go get a little bit of stone. We do deliveries on everything, so it only works on larger projects. So mm -hmm. those were more the things that we had to walk away from. It wasn't so mm -hmm. much like selling something at a ridiculously high price that they could have gotten a lot cheaper at the same quality. So um, that was definitely something I encountered a lot in the beginning. Yeah. For sure. A learning curve. Definitely a learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, to bring up another pillar of psychology. Oh, there's more. There's, <laughs> there's five more, more yeah, isn't yeah. there? Uh, well, you already kind of brought it up, but authority is one of them. Uh, you're more likely to say yes if the person really sounds like they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Like you said, some clients want to know. They want you to be very technical and they want to either A, learn, or they're kind of testing you to see your knowledge. So you should always yeah. sound incredibly knowledgeable. And I think also on that like flip side, you should also admit when you don't know something. Like don't try to like fumble your way through to yeah. sound smart, but you should be able to admit when you don't know something or you're going to check it out or yeah, if you're yeah. going to sub something out, like say that. Don't try to just... Act like, yeah, if you Don't act like you like have the answer like to everything. Yeah. Um, if you do know everything about what you're talking about, that's great. Yeah, but and show them that knowledge. And a lot of times there might be subs that come in. Like when it comes to electric or plumbing, those are those are kind of big parts of our projects. They're very, you know, important in the, in the process. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times clients will ask me, you know, okay, what do you think about... Um, our, our panel here, we're going to have enough space for all these circuits. And, you know, we want to add this in the future. And I'm like, to be honest, I don't really know. Um, but our electrician's going to come out. They'll take a look at it. That's kind of out of my league. Yeah. And I think that one, I'm not licensed in electric. So I, I shouldn't, you know, the expectation isn't there for me to know everything about it, but it also kind of makes it more believable when you talk about the things that you do know. Yeah, it's like it's more genuine. Yeah. It's more relatable that, you know, these are the things that I know and I'm good at and I can provide you this solution. The other things I'm either not going to and I'll let you know, or I'm going to bring somebody in under us if it's important to our project, like plumbing and electric. Yeah. So something to think about. That's true. That's true. What else? Uh, what else? I, I feel pillars? like I feel like yeah, we should just go through the pillars. I, there's a lot to riff on on this. Yeah. So and it's all, all of these are kind of like intertwined, so they lead yeah. they lead naturally into each other. Yeah. Um. So one of the things you said earlier was that uh, we kind of create a demand because we only take on a couple of projects each year. Mm -hmm. 
Scarcity. Scarcity, yeah. I think that's a big one, especially for us. Yeah, Um, You want to... Ideally, it's a real scarcity, so you don't have to fake it. Yeah. And, you know, and that's that's such a classic sales thing. It's like, call in the next 10 minutes and to get before they run out. And it's like, this is a previously recorded infomercial that doesn't make any sense. So... But that is like such a tried and true tactic. You want to create that idea of scarcity that if they don't act now, um, you know, next time they call, you might be booked out for the whole year. Yeah. That happens to us all the time. Yeah. People waited too long and it's like, sorry, we're booked out for the year. Yeah. We're fully booked now. But like when we were taking new uh, jobs, we were telling people, we were letting them know, like, we're only taking a couple of jobs and we've got... A couple of jobs out there. So, like, if you want, you got to get on it. Yeah. You got to pay deposits and sign contracts. So, we get it. And people, just like that, they, they're they signing do. contracts. Yeah. Or they don't. And or they don't. Then they reach out later and they're like, they're okay, signed. we're ready to go forward. And it's like, well, we're, we're booked. Yeah. We're completely booked up. Yeah. So, I think there is a lot to that scarcity. It just, it makes people want to act quicker. Mm-hmm. And it also it creates like an element of kind of like desire. Like, oh, this is something that's very limited. They can only do a certain amount of projects and they book up so fast. So there's this, this like exclusivity kind of feel to it that is really attractive to a lot of people. Yeah. You know, they want to feel like they're getting something that not everybody else can get. Yeah. And we, we talked about earlier today how um, people who aren't booked, like, everything in our industry right now is so hot and people are booked up for so long yeah. that if you come across somebody who's like, yeah, I'll do it in two months. It's like, Ooh. yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. also kind of like a, a flip side of that. Like, yeah, why definitely. aren't you busy? Everybody exactly. else is busy. Especially why now. aren't you busy? Yeah. yeah. Especially now. And like we talked about on, you know, a couple of weeks ago, that's probably going to change at yeah. least a little bit going forward that there's not going to be as much demand. But uh Yeah scarcity yeah create that create that sense of scarcity yeah that's kind of like uh what what wood bully said remember remember he was on the podcast and he said Mm -hmm. he hadn't even started his business yet but he decided he was going to start one one year from a certain time and then he started talking to clients and saying yeah i'm booked out a year yeah he hadn't even like started doing projects yet but he created that sense of demand which i was like that's such a brilliant idea yeah you're just you know really thinking there so kudos to him on that like that idea yeah so and to be clear in case case people haven't listened to that he wasn't like scamming people he was doing he was just working for somebody else yes he hadn't gone completely on his own yet so um just want to make sure people know that he wasn't like doing it somewhere no (laughs) i don't think he was booked up yeah he was doing deck building as far as i remember yeah but it was it was just a really cool idea. Yeah. And a really like creative way to go about it. Yeah, it made so, total sense. Um and something we did something pretty similar to that. Um I don't know if we did it last year because we already had so many people like on a wait list that we didn't have to like stir up uh, a demand or like a buzz. Mm-hmm. But the year before that, I put out at the beginning of the year, like in December or January, I said, We are doing twelve projects this year. And every post that I was doing for like that week or two weeks i just kept saying we are only doing 12 projects this year if you want to be one of the 12 call us or you know i never put my phone number i said (laughs) email us (laughs) to the website and that was like amazingly successful Mm -hmm. to just like put that out there we are doing this many projects and it was like you know maybe we're not going to do 12 maybe it's going to be 11 maybe it's going to be 14 but I just picked a number that was kind of close. And I was like, this is how many we're doing. You need to be one of those 12 people. And it did create that sense of demand. And it worked like amazingly well. I was really surprised at yeah. how well that little little trick worked. Yeah. So. that's And I think knowing how many people are on our wait list right now and how yeah. many jobs we're going to get done, I think it's going to be a similar situation where we kind of say, we're doing 12 jobs, so you got to get your stuff in. Yeah. If I you think- want it. I don't even think we're going to put it out there to the public. No, no, no. Going I mean, in, just yeah. going through the wait list, letting those people know we're yeah. only going to book. We have a huge wait list and we couldn't possibly get to all those people. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> If all those people said yes, we'd be booked out yeah. for like six years. <laughs> yeah. So 
Yeah, we're kind of like doing that tactic to our already pre-screened yeah. wait list. <laughs> so we're really we're we're really like getting really down <laughs> to the nitty gritty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's always a good position to be in. So uh, you know, if you're having trouble with sales and you're like, this doesn't sound like me at all. I'm always struggling up against everything. You know, really trying to sell myself. Um, you need to work on your marketing. Yeah, you shouldn't have to work that hard. Like marketing is really the first part of the sales process. Like, how did they hear about you? How are you getting this lead? Um, and that's Absolutely. where we, you know, the classic cold, hot, or sizzling hot lead. <laughs> you want sizzling hot leads. You want sizzling hot, yeah. Then it's going to make your sales process that much easier, that much more successful. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to be able to charge more, all of those good things. So we talk a lot about that on other episodes if you want to check it out. Yeah. So um, what else we got? Kind Scarcity. of in that same vein, social proof. So there's no better... client than one who's going to give you a good review so whether you're proving yourself on social media or you're getting reviews online if people google you and Mm -hmm. and they see all these good reviews that kind of sells itself it does that speaks better like if it's so much different than you saying i'm the best at this i know i'm the best at this yeah i'm going to give you the best product then if somebody one of your previous clients says that the people are going to believe that person not you saying it yourself so let those previous clients be your you voice people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. And that's like a really a great way to go about social proof. Um, one way, obviously, is social media. I think we yeah. have the benefit. People look at our stuff on social media and they're like, OK, across TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, they've got 450,000 followers. Mm-hmm. Like That is social proof in a way. It's like, right. OK, they must be an authority in this. They must know what they're doing if this many people are following them. So, but another really great way to do, which we don't really do that much, is ask your clients to review you on Google. Yeah. I was going to say that. I think especially when you're getting started, that's how... I, yeah. I, I feel like people don't... I read reviews like religiously. If I do anything, I'm reading reviews. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the last time I left a review. So yeah. I think that it's it's not... People leave bad reviews they don't always think to leave good reviews. Yeah. So don't be afraid to ask your clients like, hey, if you think we did a good job, go ahead and give us a five-star review. Yeah. Speaking of that, if you want to leave our podcast oh, yeah. <laughs> a review. Five-star review. Wherever you're listening, just pop that, pop that pop little that review in there. in there. It helps us out big time. <laughs> um, yeah. And because like you said, people are going to, when they have a really bad experience, they're going to go out of their way to review yeah. somebody everywhere and burn them down. <laughs> But people aren't as, you know, they're just not thinking about leaving a good review as much. It's not yeah. something that comes to mind. So you need to p- make that part of like your sales and project process. Like once it's completed, make them, <laughs> make them write a good <laughs> review. No, you need to, you need to like really push them to do that, you know? Um, yeah. Even, you know, give them like a little tiny gift at the end of a project, like I was a. Just gonna say- gift card to a local restaurant or something like that and say, Hey, thanks so much for uh, letting us work with you on this project. We would love it. If you could leave us a good review on Google or whatever your main uh, site that you want to, you know, really do well on Google's the best one. Yeah. That's what you see immediately. So that's, yeah. Um, Another thing I was just thinking of, like you said, give a gift or if they do leave you a, a nice review, Send them a thank you card. You have a customer for life. Customer for life, yeah. People love that. When you do something out of your way to be yeah, kind genuine, and say yeah. thank you and create a personal relationship, that's, you got a customer for life. Yeah, some might even say a super fan. A super fan. Yeah. Hmm, where hmm. did you learn that term from? <laughs> that's from a little book I read called <laughs> Super Fans. Yeah. By Pat Flynn. Uh, and side note, I'm listening to so many audiobooks. I feel like I'm exploding my knowledge yeah i'm learning so much right now i'm listening to building a story brand great thing on sales and how to tell the story to your client Mm -hmm. you have to really really simplify things in your sales process a lot of people are just like so over the top with their sales presentation and and addressing so many different things you need to like really get to the core of what is it that you solve for that client and you need to make them the hero of the story, not you. Oh, you're their guide. Hmm. Yep. 
Interesting. So they are Luke Skywalker. You're Obi-Wan Kenobi. Interesting. Yeah, I've never seen Star Wars, but that's the reference <laughs> they used in the in the book. So uh, that's the one I'm going with. That worked. That worked. I feel like it's pretty popular. Yeah. I don't know, I've, I've heard of it. Star yeah. Wars. It, you heard yeah. of it? I have heard of it. Yeah, yeah I've heard a thing yeah. or two about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's about like a wizard or uh, <laughs> something. A bunch of wizards. I think it's like a sequel to Lord of the Rings or something. So much wizardry Something in that. like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Side tangent over. Back to uh, regular programming. Yep. I do, to go back to the tangent, I feel like we need to get on the same page on the book thing because I'm always one book behind you. I just finished Superfans, so now I know. Yep. Now you're on to the next one. I think I I did another book in between those, I'm pretty sure. Did you? I think so. I thought you listened to Superfans twice. I did listen to Superfans twice. I feel like I might have listened to another one in between. Oh, all right. I've been listening to so many books. I'm in the car for like two and a half hours a day now. Yeah. So it doesn't take long. Yeah. It's a great way to do it. It is. It is a really good Yeah, I feel like I'm really leveling up by yeah. listening to these books. And uh, it probably would be good if we did the same book. Then we could rap we about could it. discuss it, yeah. Because that's when you really retain the knowledge, when you discuss it. Yeah. Yep. We should do like a book club situation. Yeah, we should. Maybe open it up to the general public. Hardworking Happy Hour Book Club. Let us know what you think about that idea in your five-star review that you're going <laughs> to leave us. So exactly. we'll look right. for that. What I don't remember. We where were we? We were at... Are we uh, ready to move on to the next pillar? I think we're ready to move on to the okay. next pillar. Um. Oh, okay. Well, calling back to what we were just talking about, reciprocity. Yep. You pull towards people when you think that they've done something nice for you. You do something nice for them. Reciprocity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think this, that can be... I think just in general in life, if you just give... You're going to get back more than you give if you just do that without any expectation of return. Yeah. Like if you share your knowledge, if you share, you know, whatever thing it is that you have that you can give to other people, um, I think it's the universe is always going to return more to you. Yeah. If you do it without any expectation of return. So I think that can go a lot of different ways. Um, If you're somebody that, say, sells things online, like, you know, courses like sales courses or um how to write contracts or a business course if you just give a lot of that knowledge away that's how you're going to bring people in um same thing with any trades you know the more a lot of people are doing things like doing things on youtube and and instagram and showing people how to do these things themselves mm-hmm. like we we've probably taught I mean, I know it because we get messages all the time. Yeah. I watched your videos. I based my backyard off of this thing. I'm doing it on the weekends. I learned all the steps from your YouTube channel. And it's like that that could have possibly been a client maybe if I didn't essentially teach them how to do it. But <laughs> you give away all of that, you know, all of that knowledge or all of that, you know, design thought, whatever it is, it's going to come back to you tenfold. Yeah. So, yeah. It kind of just creates a web of like, create a a web of good intentions. If you, you know, you put good feelers out there, you let people know that you're a good person and they're going to, other contractors will send business to you. Uh uh, Other colleagues will send business to you because you're just the kind person. If you send kind intentions out into the world. Not to be all hippy dippy about it, but like yeah, being a little hippy dippy about it because at the end of the day, it's all about the cheddar. That's all anybody cares about. But um, if you're having trouble being kind, think about it. You're gonna get cheddar on the back end. Yeah. So, <laughs> something to think about. No, I think I think that's 100 percent right. Like I just you think just, if you if you like if you go out of your way to do good things, people will go out of their way to do good things for you. If you're like a huge jerk, everyone, no one's gonna be like. Oh, call this guy up. He sucks, yeah. but uh, I'm, I guess he does good work. No one's going to do that. You know, people will go out yeah. of their way and they're like, oh, I know this person. I know this person. They they do great work. They were so kind. I was so happy to let them in my house and, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. And that kind of reminds me in a way of something that I try to do. Whenever I talk to somebody, because we always do all this, all the screening first through website, then over a phone call. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times we'll screen people out through the website, but sometimes I still get on a call with these people. And then I realized through the call that 
this isn't a great project for us. Like we're not going to be able to provide the best solution for them. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I realized that, like, okay, this isn't the type of project that we are really going to excel at. I'll say, you know, for X, Y, and Z reason, we're probably not going to be the best fit for you. So um, if I can, I'll try to recommend somebody else that would be a great fit. Um, but if I can't, then what I say is, all right, you know, we're not going to be a great fit for this. So um, I don't think that that we'll be, you know, we'll be doing this project with you. But since you have me on the phone now and we don't have anything, any skin in the game, you know, if you have any questions, I can be just an unbiased person. Mm-hmm. Um, if they want to get just a pressure treated deck and that's like kind of what they were leaning towards, um, I can kind of give them an idea we don't do pressure treated decks, but here are, uh, you know, here's some numbers that you can kind of have in your head. When you talk to other people, this is about what you should pay. If somebody's less than this, um, you know, you should probably stay away. If they're not going to do this step, you know, steer away. I'll give them questions to ask any cl- any contractors that they end up calling. So it only takes five or 10 minutes and People like really appreciate that. They're like, okay, wow. I now I have this expert on the phone. They don't want my project, but they're offering their free advice. So that's going to help me when I interview the next contractor. Yeah. And that's just creating a personal connection. That's like, yeah, that that goes so far in life. It's like a virtual handshake. (laughs) It's we're on the phone though. So it's like an, it's like an audio handshake. handshake. Yeah. It's like an audio (laughs) hug. I just, I, that goes so far with people. And I think like on the flip side of that, like I went recently to go buy a new car and the salesperson was just you did awful. Yeah. Well, I didn't a Bronco. Yeah. Remember I told you I went to go buy a Bronco. Well, I went to go look at a Bronco. You did? Yeah. I didn't know you went to go look at one. Yeah. You did? I did. I also told you about it. You did? <laughs> yeah. It was, it was like a month ago. Always be listening. Yeah. What was this the one that was in PA or whatever? Yeah. You went to that one? I did, yeah. You no, did? no, no. Well, there was one that was like three hours away. I didn't go to that oh, one. Okay. This one was right over the bridge. Oh, okay. Um, But anyway, the sales guy was like- You didn't get it, did you? I didn't buy it, no. Oh, okay. No, I didn't, I didn't buy it because I didn't like the salesman. He was so aggressive. And it was like, not only was it like he was reading a script, Yeah. he was like, like trying to like shame and guilt me into buying this Bronco. And I was like, this is- How do you do that? Like, what? how do you shame someone into buying a car? Like, so- Oh, he was like, oh, that's your car that you drive now? Oh, it's disgusting. <laughs> no, I was. I am like a very numbers-driven person, and especially with a car that I already don't need because I have a working car. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not going to test drive the car because I know I'm going to like it. I yeah. know I'm going to want it as soon as I test drive it. So before we even do any of that, like I went out and looked at it, obviously. But yeah. we can't. I was like, I want to go over numbers. I want to talk numbers, whatever. And, and he was like, okay, well, I mean, that's good for us because it. if you don't test drive it, then it has less miles on the odometer, so I can just charge you more for it. And I was like, uh, you think that's making me want to buy from you? That's like yeah. the rudest thing you could say. Like you just turned me into your enemy. Why would you do that? Yeah. So then Have you I taken just, them down. I haven't yet. But, okay. It's on, but he did lose the sale that day. That's for yeah. sure. So I think that that's like, if you're just, did you really want to buy that. it? I, I was very much considering buying it. If somebody presented the right sales techniques, you probably would have drove probably, out of there yeah. with the new probably car. Probably would have. Yeah. You it definitely like, don't need a car. I don't need a new car. Yeah. And that's the thing. Listen and to some of our other podcasts where I talk about um, keep your overhead low. Gives you yeah. more flexibility in your life. I That I think you'll appreciate more than a car. I know. <laughs> and I didn't buy it, so it's fine. But yeah. They're but pretty cool, though. They're really Bronco, cool. Yeah. I really want one. But yeah. it didn't work out, and that's fine. But I think that was like, that's my most recent example of a bad salesman. It just yeah. blew my mind how bad he was at sales. And I guess, I don't know if I've ever had like a good car buying experience. So maybe that's like a different kind of sales. I'm not sure what happens there. It is. It's uh, so aggressive and everyone's so mad at each other right off the bat. Yeah. It's like one uh, of the things weird. that uh, is actually in the book, building a story brand is the example of CarMax. They yeah. took uh, essentially one of like the shadiest, like most greasiest industries used cars yeah. and turned it into, I think they said they do $50 billion a year in sales. They wow. have franchises like all over everywhere. Um, but they they identified like, okay, used cars. People buy them all the time. Like it's a humongous market, right. but there's always like those same 
same kind of like drawbacks and reservations when you go to buy one. It's you have that really pushy salesperson. Mm -hmm. You know they're working on commission. You don't know what is the history of the car or, you know, you don't know what is this, you know, engine like? What are the inside of the pistons look like? I don't know anything about cars, so I don't know if that makes (laughs) sense. But so they identified those problems and solved them. Mm-hmm. The salespeople don't work off of a traditional commission. Yep. So you don't have to worry about them being pushy. You don't have to worry about negotiating at all. It's just the price is the price. The price. The price. Yeah. No negotiating. Because that's like intimidating, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. It's like, you know, you never pay the sticker price. Like, oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know how to navigate this exchange. They just have something. It costs this much. It's not negotiable. Everybody, anybody, who, whoever buys this is going to pay this exact price. Right. So that's like less intimidating. And then they also have, um, you know, warranties and like vehicle checks, all of these checklists that they go through to ensure that the car is reliable and all these things. And I think they have like a 30 day return policy. Like if you don't yeah. like it in 30 days, you just exchange it for something else. So um, that's an example of finding these problems that a client is going to have solving it and then easy from there. Yeah. Once you present the solution, boom, easy, done deal. That's true. That is a great example of that. I also, I take back what I said about not having a good car buying experience because I did buy a car from CarMax many, many years ago. Oh, you did? What'd you get? And uh, it was a Honda Fit. Honda Fit? Yeah, it was a cute little teeny car. Tiniest, tiniest, slowest, slowest car, but it was a good car at the time. Um. But I, a friend of mine worked there, so I kind of... Okay. And I don't know if this is... I think it's public knowledge, and I don't know if they still do it this way, but he said that they, whatever they get a car for, they mark every car up by a certain percentage, and yeah. that's it. Like, every car is only marked up 5% or whatever, and then that's how they set their price. Yeah. So sometimes you can get really... If they got a really good deal on a car, then you get a really good deal on a car. Oh. And if they, you know, if they pay whatever regular rate, then you're still going to pay that rate, but... It kind of makes you feel like you're in it with them. Like, yeah. oh, you're doing this as like a community thing. Like, yeah, you might get a good deal. You might pay you might not. regular or not. Hey. Regular deal. I don't know. Do you want to roll the dice? But, yeah. Let's do it. But uh, I thought that was a good way of doing that. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just feels more honest. and. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I like that. And I think that's, that's kind of the mentality that you need to be in when you are interacting with your potential clients. You have to, I think, first... You have to listen. That's the most important thing. Yeah. Don't go in there like like you don't know the exact problem that you need to solve unless you sit there and you let them talk first. Yeah. Let them explain what they want. What do they have now that's not working? How can you then step in and provide that solution so that they can be the hero? You're just the guy. Yeah. They're the hero. So something to think about. It's a mentality that you need to be in. Yeah. You need to listen first. Don't go in there. Even if you're going to do a hard sell, do it after you've listened to them and you can really identify, okay, this is what they need. Yeah. Don't just go in there with the same sales script for every single person unless you're just trying to, you know, play percentages. And it's like, if I get in front of, you know, a thousand people this year and I say this script that many times, I'll sell this many jobs. Maybe that'll work for some people. But people in the trades, I think, you know, they want more of a personal connection. They're more upstanding people yeah so yeah something to think about and i think in the trades um people also get really bad reputations and i think that people hear a lot of horror stories so if you you are able to form that personal connection with people yeah that definitely goes a long way for sure for sure um but like you said a hard sell so obviously i know what a soft sell is and i know what a hard sell is but when i think of hard sell yeah i think of like a bad thing yeah do you think that there's a good way to do it or a way to do it well um I would say, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on it. I think, I think there's, there's, there's definitely a lot of different ways to do that hard sell. I th- the thing that comes to mind initially in my head with a hard sell in the trades is like window salespeople or roof salespeople. Mm. That um, like a very common thing is if both members of the household aren't there they won't do the estimate. They want both decision makers there. That's something that's like very, people get very offended by sometimes. Like 
some of these really big companies that really are just like a sales force and then they sub out to random companies, they want um, both decision makers to be there and they will just like sit at your kitchen table till 10 o'clock at night, like, you know, taking the price down. Okay, if you sign in the next 15 minutes, you'll, you know, we'll do it for half price or whatever. But it's like starts at some absolutely inflated, like ridiculous price. Uh-huh. Um, I think that's the initial thing that people think about when they think hard sell in the trades. I think there can be other things like maybe online services or whatever. And you can be persistent with your your sales pitch with somebody as long as it's you know you can you can have really like two offerings you can have something that's like um kind of a a, an entry level tidbit like really you should be providing some info for free giving them some value Mm -hmm. then hey they can you know purchase this thing for this price which is going to give you more value and then you can still always pitch that you know bigger thing and consistently pitch that as long as it's not just like this or nothing, mm-hmm. I think. But again, I don't, I don't prefer to lean that way. I'm put off by it. And I think yeah, you need to really know who you're talking to. Um, yeah. Wait, so I have a question. I, Why yeah. do both decision makers need to be there? That's just like a really common thing with like these, you know, the people that like walk door to door to try to set yeah. up appointments. Then they send out a salesperson. Um, because usually if it's just one person there, they'll say, oh, I have to talk to my husband or, oh, I have to talk to my wife. If Both of them are there. That excuse goes out the window. That's when they start feeling uncomfortable and they're like, okay, I don't know how to get this person out of my house besides signing. Mm. So. Interesting. Real, real sleaze balls. That's very interesting. Yeah. If someone told me like my husband needed to be there, I'd be like, oh, hell no. A I lot am of a people are like that. Yeah. yeah. How dare you? Yeah, you hear that, Pat? <laughs> I'm the decision maker. If we um, need windows, I'm making that decision. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's incredibly, I think it's incredibly offensive. I don't think it's just like, I think both have to be there. If it's just the man, they won't yeah. do it. Yeah. If it's just the woman, they won't do it. Um, yeah, I get that. Because that is like the easiest out. It. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> that is the easiest out to be like, okay, well, thanks for the info. I got to talk to my significant other. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think it's a little sleazy to try to sell some, you know, humongous purchase and like not leave without getting a signature on a contract. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. So something to think about. Yeah. Something about. Something to think about. What else? Do all we right. have any more pillars or are we, we, are have, we um... do we have a full, fully standing sales house with all the pillars? <laughs> I did go out of order, so it's taking me a second to figure it out. But we do have one left. Okay. Uh, commitment and com- consistency. Okay. To your to to what? To your sales philosophy? To your to your uh, sales? Uh, let's see. The little blurb says: Once we make a choice or take a stand, we consistently work to behave in line with that decision in order to, in order to try to justify it. Okay. So, like, if you have a business philosophy, just stick with it. Which that makes sense. If you don't, yeah. you're going to come off as wishy washy and. Yeah, you don't want that. That's bad. That's a bad yeah. reputation to have. You don't want to be a flip-flopper. You want to just present your offer, present what problem you can solve for that client, and give them all the reasons that you're the best one to do that for them, and you'll be good to go. Yeah. Actually, that kind of that gives me a thought. Like, Oh, you have a thought? I have What's a, a thought? bit of a thought yeah. of that, about it. Like, okay. What would make you switch up your kind of business practices? <sighs> and maybe if you if you as the salesperson really like somebody or just like clicking with a person, yeah. you might treat them differently. Do you think that comes up? Is that ever a problem for you? Um, Like, are you more will? Not that I, we don't really give like uh, deals to people, but like, yeah. are you more willing to yeah. do more for a client if you like them more or? I think uh, that's definitely uh, been an issue for me for yeah. sure. It's like, Oh, I don't know. I just feel like I'm, hanging out with somebody that I'm friends <laughs> with and you know, yeah, well, yeah, well, we'll throw that in. Yeah. Um, that used to be more, uh, not so much now because we have the demand, we have all that kind of stuff, but where people for us, where people really end up getting more out of us is when they just give us kind of free reign to yeah. do what we want. We're always going to over deliver in those scenarios. Um, when somebody's like really picky about like, oh, I don't know if I want to go with this, you know, 
if I come up with a design idea and they're like, oh, I don't know, I'd have to see it. I'm just like, all right, well, I'm not going to even try it. Yeah. We're, we're just going to give you what we had in the rendering and that's it. But when people are like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Just go with it. Whatever you think. Um, that's what our clients are doing right now. That's what our last clients did. Uh, a lot of our clients do that. We're very fortunate to have that kind of scenario most of the times. That's when they really, really get the most out of us. We always go above and beyond because they put that trust in us. And that's when we have more fun. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's something that you need to. You need to make sure that the client's not selling you. Yeah, I was just going to say, they're reverse soft selling you. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> you need to watch out for that. That's a slippery, <laughs> slippery slope. And uh, especially with, depending on the trade that you're in, if you're selling something that's, you know, say very, if you're a gutter salesperson, it's like they cost this much per foot. Um, you know, it's pretty cut and dry. We have this exact formula. When you're doing more custom stuff, there is a lot of, vagueness and there's a lot of guesswork to it like okay this is completely custom we've never done this exact thing before how long is this going to take me um and when you're sitting there and you you really like the person that you're talking to you sometimes can convince yourself that you can do things faster or whatever because you really want to meet their budget but that's something you really have to be careful about yeah so yeah 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 we got, we got, uh, what do we got? We got anything else? Uh, we got some, some subcategories here. Oh, we got some subcategories? Uh, Let's yeah. go for it. This one I think is kind of interesting. Leverage loss aversion. So kind of just like let them know what they're going to miss out on if they don't go with you. Yeah. Because actually, uh, I think I listened to this portion of the book yesterday, building a story brand. Uh, that's something they talk about in it. People are much more uh, impacted by the thought of losing something than the thought of gaining that same thing. So mm. people are much more affected by the thought of losing $100 than they would be by gaining $100. Interesting. Like they're twice as sad than they would be happy if they gained it. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? I do. They're more scared of losing something. So I just, I don't know if I'm just so uh, aware of this being a sales tactic that it like, I feel like this comes off as sleazy to me, unless it's done correctly. Yeah. You know, I feel like people do it in the wrong way a lot. I think if if it's not just a complete lie, then it's good. Like, if mm -hmm. they're really, it's kind of like that scarcity thing. Yeah. If it's really, like, if you don't sign up in the next month, like, we're going to be booked for the year. Yeah. And when we say that to people, it's not a sales tactic. It's just the truth. Right. We only do so many projects. For next year, it's it's just the beginning of June. For 2023, we have, what, 40 people on a wait list? And we might do another eight projects. So we mean it when we say it. But it's like, it can't be like that infomercial where it's like, call in the next 10 minutes and you'll get uh, another kitchen set for free. Yeah. It's like, well, this is obviously pre-recorded. Like this, obviously, anytime you call, you get that extra thing for free. So... <laughs> I think if if what you're conveying is actually truthful and it really is like a scarcity thing, then I think that's a great sales tactic. Yeah. I guess I was thinking of it more as like um, when people, like let's say I want to buy a pressure treated deck. I can I can get estimates from five different companies. But yeah. the one guy's trying to sell me and he's like, well, if you don't go with us, you're probably going to go with X, Y, and Z carpenter over there. And he his work, my gosh, the horror stories I have. You know, yeah. like that kind of loss aversion when yeah. you're kind of it's saying like, it's like everything tactic. else. Yeah, everything else is going to be catastrophic yeah. unless you go with us because we're the best. That always comes off to me as like just straight up sleazy. That's like, yeah, you might be the best, but I don't, I don't know. I, don't know. I think I don't think people want to be sold like out of fear. Like, yeah. oh, if you don't go with us, all these things could go wrong. Yeah, I think you need to. Focus on the positives, like focus on all of the things that you you are going to provide to them and all the problems that you're going to solve and how you're going to do that in a way that positively impacts them. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, I try to never like, you know, bad mouth anybody else or, or do anything like that because I think it just puts like a negative energy out there yeah. that isn't helpful. Mm -hmm. I think you should just play up your own skills, show them why you are the person to hire, but keep it positive and, and 
they're going to have, if, if you're there the whole time, just negative, um, you know, bad mouthing everybody else, they're going to have that feeling of negative energy when they think of you. Yeah. So keep it positive. Yeah. Bad mouthing other people never lo- makes your work look any better. Yeah. They, w- there's like a saying around that or something. Is there? I don't know. That didn't something just come like, out of my brain. Uh, something like if you, if you're a shit talker, you breath stinks. <laughs> I don't know. That's not it, but it's something along. It makes sense. Yeah. Talk enough shit. Your breath's going to stink. Might have to bleep that out. <laughs> yeah. That might be a new saying, but, uh, that might be new, but I, I mean, it's true. That's what I, I just, that's when people talk about sales in that way, I just hate it because I'm like, that doesn't. You talking crap about that other person doesn't make you look any better. So why why am I going to want to go with you? It makes you look shady for wanting to talk bad about somebody. Yeah. There's no need for so, that. If you're really yeah. providing and, a good solution to somebody, then you don't need that. Yeah. So. And I feel like it's it's so much more impactful if, like, let's say the client lets you know that they're deciding between you and this other guy. And this other guy doesn't do as good of work as you. And you know that. But if you're like, okay, well, he does things this way. And I wouldn't do them this way because of this. I think yeah. that's like a much better way to handle it. That's then just being like, well, I don't do it that way. I do it this way. Yeah. And like a, a lot of times frame it. that's going to come down to like, usually in that scenario, one of those people is going to be cheaper, like the cheaper option. Yeah. And I think there is like some sort of mentality in the trades where it's like, if you don't do everything to like the highest industry standards, then you are a garbage contractor. Yeah. But I think there is like a place in the market for people that can do things in a more economical way for people. Yeah. Like if people want something that's going to be a lot cheaper than what we provide, they could still end up being just as happy with it. Like somebody might be just as happy with like a 10 by 20 concrete pad as a huge backyard that we would build. Like they just want a place to put one lawn chair and they're going to be happy as can be. So I never try to like put down that cheaper option. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I guide them towards it. I'm like, you know what? It sounds like with your budget and what you're looking for, I think you would be best off with just a concrete slab. If you want to jazz it up a little bit, you could do stamp concrete and it's still going to be 10 times cheaper than a huge backyard from us. Right. So I think uh, a lot of this comes back to just being honest. Yeah. I think that's the moral of this story. Just be an honest, good person. Be an honest, good person. Create personal connections. You're good to go. You're going to get good sales. It's true. Uh, I think another thing to consider is a prerequisite to all of this. You need to have a good solution to a problem. True. You can't like provide a terrible service and overcome that with great salespeople. That's very true. It's going to come back to to haunt you (laughs) for sure. Yeah, that's true. If you're having like a lot of trouble selling, maybe there's something that's wrong with your business that is kind of preceding that. Like you need to work on that solution that you provide. Maybe you haven't identified the right problem. Right. So we've talked about this on some other episodes. Like if you're a plumber, be that person that calls you back every time. Every time somebody calls, we call back within 12 hours, whatever it is. That is a a significant problem that people hate. People hate when people don't call them back, especially for like an emergency service like plumber or, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, you need to, to be able to identify those problems and create a solution for it. And uh, if you're having trouble selling, maybe you haven't figured out that right solution yet. Yeah. It's a good point. Thank you. I like Appreciate that one. I that. did like that one. Yeah, I just kind of pulled that, pulled that out oh, of that. somewhere. <laughs> Inspiration just struck Yeah, it just you struck you... me. <laughs> Happens like that sometimes, you know? Yeah. It can happen like that. Uh, All right. Have we covered enough? I think we have did. We covered enough? Have we sold you on this podcast yet? <laughs> have we? Let us know. Let us know. With a, with a five-star with a five review. With a five-star review. Yeah, if you have anything bad to say, say it privately to one of us, please. <laughs> um, you know what it's time for now? Oh, secret question. Secret question. Yeah. You go first. Okay. Um. Oh, actually, I did think of a secret question. But Don't tell me you forgot it again. No, I remember oh, okay. it. I remember it, but... Did I answer it over the course of the show? You didn't answer it, 
but I forgot that I had to answer it, and I don't have an answer to this because. That's okay. So you're just gonna answer it, and then you can ask your question. Um. That you have. Well, okay. Okay. My question is. Yeah, ask your question. We've been talking a lot in vague terms about sales. Yeah. But like, what can can you think of a sale that you have done or made that you are like really proud of? Like, you really felt like either you really helped the customer, you filled a need, or you were proud of how you handled yourself. Hmm. What's like a does anything come to mind that you're like really proud of? And the reason I can't answer this is because I've never really been a salesperson. I've never been on the sales side of things. So let's hear your answer. Um, wow, that's a really good question. Um, like what is my proudest sales moment? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, first off, this is kind of like a fake cop-out answer. The thing I'm most proud of as a salesperson is all the times that I've said no, that we're not a good fit. <laughs> um, that's that's a real answer, but I know that's yeah. not the answer you're really looking for. So let me keep thinking of something. Um, okay. Uh, so the last project that we just completed, um, it was a really big project right on the water. They had come to us after they'd gotten a design from another company. And I think the other company didn't really, um, really probe them enough on what they were looking for. And they came back with something that was like four times their budget. It was like absolute, excuse me. It was absolutely insanely extravagant and crazy. So we came in and we really listened to what are the essential things that you're looking for and how can we provide those things, cut out all the fluff that you don't need and provide something for you that really checks all those boxes, hits your budget and it looks awesome, and everybody's happy. And I think we achieved that yeah. in the last project. What do you think? I Yeah, I would agree. I didn't realize that they had already had a design done. They did, yeah, by another... I mean, this was this was years ago. Yeah. Like, I mean, we, we initially did a design for them almost... It was the beginning of 2020, I guess. So over two years ago. Mm-hmm. And they had gotten a, a design done previous to that. And it just like... It didn't seem to hit the things that they were looking for. Plus, it right. was like, and we did a pretty big project for them. So, yeah. four times the price. Like, it was a pretty crazy design. Yeah, now I kind of want to see what the design looks like. It wasn't, I mean, it was It was a lot of landscaping. It was a lot of like, oh, yeah. so we provided them, I think, more outdoor living space and more, um, more usable space. And we really, I think we did a really good job of listening to them providing them multiple uh, design solutions. Yeah. Giving them the opportunity to pick whether they wanted to go with something, you know, kind of mid-tier, something high-end. Um, they decided to go with the higher-end option. And and I think because of that, they were really willing to defer to us on a lot of design choices. Yeah. Um, I think that really speaks a in. lot. Like if they went with a, they got a design they didn't like, and then you were their second designer... Yeah, and they really trusted you enough to, to you picked a lot of stuff on that job. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much everything. everything. Yeah, and they even wanted us to pick furniture and stuff. Yeah, so that speaks of like volumes. If they, they yeah. already, yeah, if they you already, think they liked me. I think they liked yeah, you. I think so. Okay, but I, I'm serious. Like with if they already went with somebody who they were like, oh, I don't know, and then they went with you, and then they trusted you enough to let yeah. you make all the des- the decisions instead of just being like, well. You know, I feel like that would lead to nitpickiness if they already had something they didn't like, but they really trusted you. Yeah. So. I tried to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Good so. answer. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. I guess you never really did sales, huh? I've never been in a sales position, no. Well, there's a lot of times that you have to sell yourself. Sell myself, yeah. Not like that, but, you know, <laughs> sell, <laughs> you know, the job interview. Yeah. It's a way to sell yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, just, I don't know, I guess in, you're always selling yourself. You you have to build your own personal brand. Is there any scenario you can think of in a, like a, I think job interview is like the most obvious one that comes to me, like where you really felt like you, you know, were truthful, but really got like your, um, your point across. As to, hmm, I don't know. That's kind of a vague, vague question. Yeah. I guess 
I honestly love job interviews because I always felt like, like I always had that mentality of like, even if I want this job, like I might not be the best fit and that's okay. Yeah. I'm an employable person. I'll be fine eventually. Yep. Um, so that's how I always handled job interviews. I was never like nervous for them. I was always kind of like they yeah. were interviewing me, but I was also interviewing them. Yeah. Um, and I have actually never interviewed for a job and not gotten it. So. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Me either. And I've interviewed for a lot of jobs. but I have. I actually, I guess I did. I did have to do an interview when I worked at Wegmans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had to actually go into an interview. Huh. Push carts. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So. Um. I did interview for a job at a restaurant and I had never been a waitress before and they yeah. they required like quote unquote required like five years of experience before they would hire you. It was yeah. at a very popular South Philadelphia sports bar. What was it? Uh, Chicken Pete's. Oh, did you work there? I did, yeah. Did you get part um, of that part of that settlement? I did get part of that you settlement. You did? How much did you get? I forget. It was thousands of dollars and I worked what? there for two weeks. That's amazing. Um but yeah, anyway, so they, they interviewed me. I got the job and I was kind of like, I don't know why you're hiring me. I've never been a waitress. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and I, it was like right out of college and I didn't know what I was doing. But anyway, they gave me the job. But then I ended up quitting it because I absolutely hated it. Yeah, it sounds kind of like, miserable. It was awful. and It wouldn't be for me, for sure. People were very, it was right by the stadium. So you would get all of these like really drunk people it was awful. And then people would like be inappropriate. And then that's why I quit. So yeah, it wasn't for me, but I was pretty proud of that job interview. I was like, I don't know if you really require five years if you're like hiring me because I've never been a waitress, but and you didn't lie about I it. I felt say like you did. No, no. Huh. So I was like, Oh, I'm kind of proud of myself. They like trusted me to be a waitress. I actually, it shouldn't have though. Cause yeah. I didn't last long. I lived down the shore for one summer right after mm -hmm. high school. And, uh, I didn't really have I didn't really have much going on at that point in my life, so mm -hmm. I thought, hey, good way to make money would be a waiter somewhere. But most places require experience. Yeah, I could just go anywhere and say, yeah, uh, I have tons of experience. I work at this uh, place down the shore. Oh, you want to call it uh, seasonal? They're closed. Uh, I've worked there the last four <laughs> summers. Yeah, I have a ton of experience. So um, didn't end up doing that, but uh, that was something I thought about. Yeah, <laughs> so. Interesting take. Yeah. All right. Time for my question uh, okay. for you. Yep. Uh, not really sales or anything related, but okay. Imagine you could not not pick up your life and move somewhere else, but your same life, like like your family, everything. Everybody's coming with me. Not everybody's like if you could this in this same scenario, but just be born somewhere else. Where would it be? Be born somewhere else. Like your family is still in the area. Like everything's the same, but you were just, it just happened somewhere else. Hmm. What do you think? It just happened somewhere else. Do you understand Where the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because it, it, I did state it in kind of a confusing <laughs> way. Um, that, hmm. Very interesting. There's a question. Like I'm, I, I immediately want to say somewhere like beautiful and tropical, of course, but you maybe can, if you're from there, then you you don't think it's like you don't appreciate it. You don't appreciate Ooh, it. That's a good. I so it's kind that. of nice like to Hawaii have it as something? like a yeah yeah. It's like an option as a vacation that might not be yeah quite as relaxing. Interesting. Okay. Uh, does it have to be a different country or can it just no? Be? It can be anything. I don't know. It's just kind of a random question. Hmm. I didn't put that much thought into it, so okay. you can say whatever you want. I think I'm gonna go Scandinavian. Oh Somewhere, really? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go up there. They're very happy people. So there. happy. Yeah. Statistically the happiest people. They are. So I would definitely go somewhere yeah. there. Scandinavian, Nordic, up there somewhere. I feel like you'd fit in. Everybody's got blonde hair. Yeah. And blue eyes. Yep. So they would just be like, oh, yeah, of course you live here. Yeah. You look like us. No questions asked. Yeah. Um. <laughs> great. All right. Where would you go? Uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, probably... I, I want to say California. Okay. But uh, I hear it's kind of a drag to live there. Yeah, it was. Like it's like, it was? I hated it. Really? Yeah. Like high, high taxes or like, it's 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 hard to really get get ahead there, I hear. It is. Actually, I shouldn't say that I hated it because I lived in Los Angeles, so that's a very specific mm -hmm. spot in California. There are plenty of other lovely places you might yeah, enjoy. Yeah, it's a big state. It's a big state. It is yeah. a big state. Um, well, that's, that's kind of where... That's where you'd go? 
I mean, I don't know. I've never lived there, so I don't know if I would like it, but that's that's my initial inclination is hmm. California. Because it's like mountains, a lot of places. Like yeah. I only went there once, and we went to Sequoia. We went to Big Sur. It's just like very scenic, but it's right on the ocean. You also have mountains nearby. Yeah. It's kind of like New Jersey. The but. thing that always tripped me out is uh, when I lived in Los Angeles, like obviously Los Angeles is right on the beach. Yeah. You can see the mountains that there's snow on. Like you can just drive to Big really? Bear and there's snow on the mountains. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I, didn't I always know that. thought that was kind of cool. It's like all kind of, it was all kind of right there. So you're at the beach and you can see the mountains with snow? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I've never been to Los Angeles, so I don't know. On a clear day. I mean, there's it's a very smoggy city. So if it's like. What about Skid Row? Have you ever been there? I've driven through it, yeah. Is it Skid? It's very sad, yeah. Yeah. But I feel like Skid, I mean, I think it's silly to say Skid Row gets a bad reputation, but Skid Row is very sad and it's it's like really heartbreaking and it's exactly what everyone says it is. Yeah. But also like in Philly, we have Kensington Ave, which is like, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Is it called Skid Row? Uh, Skid Row is like the area. If you okay. look on a map, it will come up as Skid Row, but it's not, it's like. It's not just like one street though, right? Uh, Kind of it. Well, it's like basically on one street and then it kind of like feeds into the area. Okay. But it's like downtown. It's like, it's right near like the garment district and it's like. Okay. If it's one of those, like you make a wrong turn somewhere situations and you're kind of in Skid Row. Okay. So it's very sad. It's, it's really hard. Watch out. I don't think you want to relocate to there if I had to guess. Okay. No, I was thinking more like Northern California, maybe somewhere around Napa. Oh, Maybe I would have grown up in a, been a vineyard hand. That would be nice. It would be nice. That would be a lovely life. It would. Be a, have a you been to Napa? Worker. No. No? Never. You were right in California, you never went there? No. It's really never nice. Did. Never did. It's a beautiful place. It really is. I should try it out. You should try it out one time. Um. All right, we're getting squirrely and rambly. We're getting squirrely and rambly. <laughs> that doesn't usually happen at the end of these never. episodes. So <laughs> have we have we covered sales enough? I think we have. I think we have. And you know what? We can always, we can always. We can circle back. We can circle back on another episode if we, we find that there's more to talk about, <laughs> which there probably will be. So, um, yeah. Till next week. This has been the Hardworking Happy Hour. See you next week.